Matthew 28, verses 18 and following, say these familiar words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a big task, right? If you stop and think about what Jesus is asking of his disciples, that's a big ask. To take a message, and, and, and if you did your reading this week, he kind of organized it around all the alls in that passage. All authority. We're serving someone who has all authority. He is Lord of all, as we just sang and Michael talked about. Uh, all nations, right? The world is a big place, right? If you travel anywhere, it's, the world is a huge place. That's a huge task. And to teach everyone that listens all that I have commanded. And if you've ever tried to do all the things that Jesus asked of you, that's a big, big ask. That's a big task, right? Those are a lot of big alls there. Representing someone with all power and authority, taking that message to all nations and helping them to do all that he commanded is an enormous challenge. And so as you read that and think about, well, what in the world could I do to be a part of that? You may feel a lot like the man who came from a long line of clowns. His dad was retiring, but he really wanted his son to continue the family legacy of being a clown. And so the son was lamenting to a friend, I've just got some big shoes to fill. I'll let you think of that for a second. Um, that was a clown joke. Linda got it. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate that. Um, a lot of practice with jokes, apparently. Matthew's um, incredible description. I feel terrible now. That was, I thought that was funny. Matthew's incredible description of the person of Jesus that is laid out for us in the Gospel of Matthew um, is this ever-growing portrait of the authority, of the power, of the incredibleness of Christ. And so as you read through page by page, if you begin in Matthew 1, um, you just find all these things that Jesus is interacting with, these things that Jesus is bigger than, that he has authority over. And there's this ongoing question to the book, who is this, who is this man? Um, and yet by the time you get to the end, when he dies, he's crucified, and then he raises from the dead, and he shows himself again in Matthew 28 to his disciples. You get this impression of someone that is just so much different than us, someone who's so much bigger, more powerful. And so we, Jesus then comes to us, small people. I don't have authority over storms, over disease, disease the demonic um, uh, I don't have authority over much of anything. My kids half the time don't obey me. And so authority is a, is a big deal in this book of Matthew. And yet, how in the world could Jesus come to people like us, frail beings, and ask us and expect of us that we would somehow take a message of the one with all authority to all nations and somehow get people to do that? Well, as you think of that today, I want to look at this passage and think about, I appreciated the, the work that the uh, this chapter began with this week in our Core 52, that, that the task of world evangelism is God's. That is God's job. That is not your job. We are simply workers. And so he broke the word commission into co-mission. We lurk, work alongside the Lord, right? This is not something that is put on your shoulders or my shoulders and said, well, go figure it out. 
We work alongside the one who has all the authority, who has all the answers, who has all that we need. And so as Matthew's gospel presents a thorough presentation of Jesus, introducing himself to this world and, and asking people to invest, to believe in him, both through their belief and through their lifestyle, Jesus comes and he asks us to be co-laborers with him, to join the commission. And so we come to the end of the book where these verses come from that we just read. And Jesus instructs them to carry on this work of introducing the world to him and calling on others to invest in Jesus by following Jesus with their life, with everything that they are. It is a big and daunting task, big shoes to fill, one that may bring emotional stress to you, one that may bring some relational tension and rejection. If you keep reading into the book of Acts, you find that to be the case. And maybe even physical hardship in the life of one who tries to be a part of this commission. But Matthew ends with this. And as he gives us the good, great commission here, he clarifies the mission of what he wants us to be about. And but he also brings comfort for the challenges that await us. And so, as we think about what it means to join in with the Lord by being a part of this commission, I would just bring you a few thoughts that I think this passage teaches us and helps us with as you think about, well, how do I, in my little circle of influence, how do I be a part of this commission? Well, number one, number one is this. I would encourage you to let go of your fear and anxiety because of Jesus' authority. Because Jesus has all authority, I would encourage you to let go of your fear and anxiety. Now that's true in a lot of different areas, arenas of life, right? There's a lot of fear and anxiety floating around our world and our culture, right? Um, there, it's everywhere. And the fact that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has all authority, that ought to cause us to, to take a chill pill a little bit, uh, to relax a little bit. The world isn't going to fall apart. No matter what happens in November, you're going to be alive. Or if you're not, you're going to be with the Lord. That's okay. There's this thing of authority. No matter what happens in your life, whether on a small scale, large scale, let go of some fear and anxiety. But let's focus specifically on what Jesus is talking about here. Being a part of this commission that Jesus gives is kind of a, a anxiety-producing call, Right? I want you to be representative of the king of the universe, and I want you to go and, and somehow figure out how to get to all the nations of the world, every language, tongue, 16,000 different tribes, cultures, um, people groups of the world. I want you to figure out how to get there. There can be some fear and anxiety in that because not everybody wants to hear. Sometimes there are many challenges and barriers to that. But Jesus comes and he gives us this good news um, and I love the context of this because you think, well, those guys all saw Jesus and it was fine for them. They didn't have much fear and anxiety. But I love the context of Matthew 28 because if you go back a verse to verse 16 and 17, listen to what it says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee where Jesus had told them to go to the mountain which Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him because he'd risen from the dead. But there were some who still doubted. Even those who had lived their entire life, those three or four years with Jesus, there was still a struggle to believe, like, can I really believe what I'm seeing here? Right? People just don't die and come back from the dead very often, right? Never seen it in my life. And so there was some doubts. There wasn't ultimate confidence in, uh, in Jesus at first. And so in the face of wavering disciples, Jesus sets the record straight. He is supreme. His resurrection establishes that he has authority over all things. 
So notice that Jesus doesn't stay far away, but he came close to them. Uh, and maybe those who doubted were unsure um, if it was him or, or what, but, but their uncertainty begins to evaporate as he appears to the appeals, excuse me, to the authority that had been given to him. So we need to rest in that. Part of the source of our fear and anxiety is we feel like we're helpless and alone in the world. But Jesus comes and makes it very clear that it, whether it's just your life in general or whether it's this specific call to be a part of this commission with him, to join him in it, there is nothing outside the authority of Jesus Christ. He has power over Satan and all of his wicked forces. He has power over stars, galaxies, planets. He has power over wind, rain, tornadoes. Every breath that we take, every beat of our hearts, he has control over presidents, kings, congresses, nations. He has all authority and power. There's nothing outside of his control. And so the scope and the magnitude of his reign is infinite. He has the right to do as he pleases and whatever we are told to do, he will accomplish that task. And so there ought to be a calming influence that from that statement into our life. All right, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know all the specifics, but I know who. And you sit on the throne and I trust you. Paul would write something very similar to this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and following. He said, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so maybe it's time to let go of some of that fear and anxiety because Jesus is in control. But a second thing that I think that as I think of with this commission, a second thing I would guide you to is this. Look out for the places that Jesus is already at work ahead of you. Look out for the places that Jesus is already at work out ahead of you. There's something comforting if, you're, if snow is coming eventually here. I hate to be a bearer of bad news, but eventually this winter it's going to snow. Um, and maybe you get caught driving home in a terrible snowstorm. But there's something comforting about knowing that you're following the snowplow, right? It's kind of annoying. Some of you will pass them just to be crazy and whatever. But, um, but if you're following the snowplow and, and the rest of the road's covered, but he's blazing a trail for you, there's something comforting about that. I'm just going to sit right here. I'm going to follow the trail and I'll be safer here. Um, and a little bit of what Jesus is inviting us into um, is, is this, that Jesus is ahead of us. He is doing the work. He is involved in the world. He is, he's already doing the things that he's asking us then to step in behind him. We don't have to blaze trails that are just completely closed. We're not going into places that Jesus hasn't gone yet. You and I are interacting with and doing things that Jesus is already out ahead of us working in fields and, and projects and places and people's hearts. Because of this work that we are joining Jesus in, he is the, like the boss who rises early and makes sure projects are laid out for the crew when they arrive. He is the teacher in the classroom that has been at work ahead of the students to say, okay, when you arrive here today, here's what we're going to do. He is the coach that draws up plans and things so that practices and games are organized and, and, and the, the players just simply have to do their thing. Listen to what Acts chapter 1 uh, says, um, which is the first thing that happens right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it picks up with what happens after Jesus 
And Luke begins the book of Acts with these words. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then as you begin to read into the book of Acts, the implied thing is Jesus began to do that work in the Gospels. But in the book of Acts, it is not a brand new thing, a separate thing from Jesus. It is the ongoing work of Jesus in this world through the Spirit's. And so Jesus continued to do that work. And as you read through the book of Acts, how many times do you find people finding places and people to talk to and places to go to, to share Christ because Jesus had prepared hearts ahead of time. Jesus was ahead of them the whole way. And now, even though Jesus is not physically with us, he, he, in the book of Acts, you see that the Spirit is given, the Holy Spirit is given in John 16, verses 7 and 8, Jesus told us this would be this way. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I, do go, if, I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgments. In other words, he's going to be working people's hearts. And so you're going to interact with people that... You're going to meet people from time to time that the Lord has been working on their hearts. And our job is not to find random things. It's to be in tune with that and to be looking and listening. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. Um, he's in a passage in those early chapters of 1 Corinthians where he's talking about division in church. And some people said, well, well I'm a Peter guy and I'm a Paul guy or I'm an Apollos guy. And so there's these division in churches based on heroes and the people that they think are important. But Paul tries to do away with all that thinking when he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? We are simply servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. And then he describes the process here that you and I can be a part of as well. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's what? We are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. I love that phrase, fellow workers, and I think it, it feeds into this whole idea that this is a commission, right? God's not telling you to go do it. God is asking you to stop and to look and to listen, because God is already around you fertilizing soil and preparing soil. So maybe you come into someone's life and maybe you plant some seeds for the Lord and you may never see a harvest. Or maybe you come along and you water some seed and you may never see a harvest. Or maybe you come along and, and you get to be a part of seeing someone come to know Jesus. But generally that happens because somebody before you planted some seeds or they watered some seeds and you just happen to be there. It's not you. It's the Lord at work in all of us. Earlier this year, we used a formula on the, based on the acronym of the word BLESS, um, if you remember that. And I'll show you this. This is a different diagram than we looked before. But, but the idea of BLESS, and, I, and I, it just came back to my mind as I was thinking of this, because I think so oftentimes, instead of just the high pressure, I've got to have the magic words to say or whatever it is, I just like this formula because I think it involves the idea of, you know what, God's at work ahead of me and my job is to simply be quiet, to be involved, to be doing small things that hopefully find some of those fertile hearts and those ready hearts. We use the acronym of BLESS. It's the idea of begin with prayer on the top of that. Begin your day. God, this is a brand new day and I pray for the people in my life. I pray for the places that I'm going to be in today. 
the places I'll work at, the places, the people I'll meet in those interactions. Um, and some of them would have no interest in the gospel, but perhaps there are some conversations that I can have or people that I can know, but just God help me to be in tune with you today. And so I ask you, and, and we begin with prayer, uh, moves on to the letter L, which is the word listen. I will listen to and discover the needs of others. And oftentimes we're so quick to want to talk about Jesus, but oftentimes talking should be preceded by listening. What are the needs of people? What are their questions? Where, where are they at in their life? And if you listen to people, you will find those things, those answers. Listen and engage and be, be uh, in tune with that. Letter E is for eat. Um, everybody loves to eat, right? Eat for Jesus. It's a great thing. Uh, but just the involvement of eating and, and so many good things. How many times did Jesus have significant conversations over a table with food? Because we have our best conversations when we're just sitting down and eating and we're just sharing. This is what I think. This is what's going on in my life. And that's where Jesus can oftentimes enter into. So eat. I will share meals with and spend time with people in my life. So be intentional about that. The first letter S is the word serve. As you listen, as you eat with people, you're going to begin to see needs in their life. They're struggling with something. They've got a need. They, they've, they've got some burden. So how can you serve them? I will respond to the needs of others and help them in practical and impactful ways. But if you're listening and engaged, you'll be able to serve people in a much better specific way. And finally, the last S stands for story. As you're engaging with that, you'll be able to share the story of Jesus more often because of what he's doing in your life. You can make a connection between, hey, you're struggling with this, and this is how Jesus helps me with that. And it builds bridges to be able to talk about Jesus into the lives of people. And I love that formula. I love it more in, in line with the thinking of that Jesus is already out there ahead of you, stirring up hearts and preparing people. And then if you come along prayerfully, with ears wide open, hands ready to serve, with, with a heart ready to share, you're going to find just progress in this whole act of serving alongside God in this commission. And so know that he's ahead of you. Number three, there's a certain heart that I think that this passage cultivates. Sometimes we read it coldly as like things to check off. There's a disciple, we baptize them, and, uh, and now we're teaching them things. But there ought never to be a coldness to this. Number three is this, lay down your life and learn the ways of Jesus over and over again. And I say that based upon this formula that Jesus lays out. If you look at the, at the, uh, at the, Verb tenses, I guess that's the right thing, and the participles and all the, uh, all the language parts of this text. There's really only one command. The command is to go and to make disciples. And the going and the baptizing and the teaching are all just kind of participles that this is what it means to make disciples. And so he calls us to find people to, that are a disciple is simply a learner. It's someone who's put themselves in a place of saying, I'm going to learn under the teacher, the Lord, that is Jesus. And my life is his. I'm looking to him for guidance and direction in my life and for him to lead me in my life and to commit that way of life. And so the command is to go make disciples. And then the other things around it, the participles that kind of feed, well, how is that going to happen? What's well, going to happen when we go? Maybe it means as you go and just have got the course of your life. But Jesus also says, somehow this needs to get to the, all the nations of the world. And so somebody's got to really go. Somebody's got to really get out there and, and cross a border, cross a land, get on a plane, do those kind of things. And so it's a both and thing. 
The people around us should be a part of that going, but also we should have eyes and ears that are looking beyond that to say, how can I make sure that Jesus gets to places far, far from me? And to baptize them, it's, the, it's that summary of that whole conversion process of, of what Jesus has done for us and through a faith in him and, and uh, confessing him as Lord and being baptized into him. There's that picture of conversion. And then the teaching part of that is the whole idea of the cultivation part of that. Okay, you've got this faith in Jesus that you're living out. But what does that look like? Well, that's what we have this ongoing process of, of cultivating. And so a converted and cultivated heart need not be something that comes to an end, right? The grace that saves us is the same grace that we must continue to live in. The wisdom of scripture is, leads us to that, but it also must lead us going forward in all the things that we uh, do in our life. And I will do a much better job of helping other people become a disciple of Jesus when I am regularly re-engaging myself in this. God, bring me back to grace. Bring me back to the place where I first met Jesus. Keep my heart soft and help me to continue to learn and to grow in him and his ways. And if I am doing that, I'm going to have a much more likely uh, success rate, if we could use that word. It sounds cold, but there's more success in making an impact for Jesus in this world when my heart doesn't say, okay, well, here's just the empty things. And I've done it and it's in the past, but there's this ongoing recognition of I need Jesus, I have Jesus, and I'm walking with Jesus. And so why don't you come and join me in that journey? I love the prayer of Psalms in many places, but Psalm 86 verse 11 says this, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. Psalm 119 later echoes that same thing. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. There's that prayer of a heart that says, God, teach me your way. Teach me. Help me to know you more, to know your ways, to know what you want more and more in my life. Um, it is that hungry heart that is continuing to seek after Christ that is going to be much more attractive and impactful in the world around us. And last but not least is number four. I would encourage you to lean on his faithful presence to steady you and help you. Notice how Jesus finishes this text when he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you're thinking that number, point number four and point number one sound a lot alike, I think that's okay. I think you're right. They do sound a lot alike. Jesus bookends the commands and the things to go do by saying first, hey, I'm in charge. I'm in control of everything. But he also gives the softer side of that. I'm also present. I am with you at the end. It's interesting, again, that Jesus bookends this commission with words that take the emphasis off of our abilities or our inabilities and insecurities and focuses our attention on him. While Jesus gives what seems like an impossible task, he does so with his authority on the front end, but also with his loving comfort and presence in the back end. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. No matter how challenging and difficult that task may seem, Remember that the Redeemer is with you. And so when it goes well, celebrate with him. When it's hard and discouraging, don't lose heart because he is with you. The promise that Jesus is with us is one that fills scripture. Listen to Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Again, this is his work we're joining him in. We're not asking him to join us in our work. 
We are to looking and say, Jesus, where are you building your church? Who are you reaching? Who are you uh, engaging with? And oftentimes we need to remove our own blinders and filters to see where God is at work with. This is his work, and he will be present with anyone who is engaged in walking beside him in it. Psalm 121, verse 4, these comforting words. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So where you're resting or you're not engaged, please know that the Lord is in tune with you. Hebrews 13, 5. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And finally, Isaiah 41, verse 10, these beautiful words that come from a beautiful section of scripture. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hands. And then this final promise of Jesus in John 14, verse 8, I will not leave you as orphans. This is a mission that we join Jesus in, but we never do it alone. It's a commission. It's together. We serve with others. We serve with Jesus, most importantly, because he is always with us. And so as we can think about, well, how do I influence my friends? How do I make a difference in the lives of other people? Jesus guides us through that. I don't have to fear. I don't have to live in anxiety over it. Jesus has got it. Jesus' authority. I don't have to try to do things that are impossible for me because Jesus cares more than I care. He loves more than I, I love. Even to the people that I just, maybe my heart breaks for, Jesus loves them more than you do. And he's ahead of you. He's trying to stir their heart. He's trying to, to work in ways that maybe you, you don't even see. But keep your heart soft, understanding how beautiful it was for you to meet Jesus and your conversion and how important it is for you to continue to uh, grow in him. And as your heart is hungry, that will, that's a fertile place for you to have conversations with other people in. But know that you'll never, ever have to go alone into this journey because Jesus is always with you. Would you pray with me, please? Our God and our Father, we are thankful for this invitation. All of us long to be a part of something that is bigger than us, that makes a difference in this world. And what greater calling and what greater invitation than to be a part of announcing to our world and helping them to see and know that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Savior, and that we can all know him that way. And so, Father, help us as we interact with our families, our neighborhoods, our coworkers. Help us to always have the intent of our heart that we want to be a part of this commission in the lives of people many of whom don't know him right now. And so help us, Father, to walk forward in peace, to walk forward with Jesus, to walk forward with, with Jesus' will and his words in our hearts and our minds. Help us to bless um, this community and to bless this world for Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.